Summer. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Marinsky. Uh, you can just refer to me as the black one. And with a midsummer tagline, Kelly Wand, if you were if the studio hired you and was like, what should we put on the poster to sell this movie? What would you tell them? Classic Sweden. <laughs> It's like a tourism movie. Uh, I can't help but think of McCready in the thing. Hey, Swedes. Yeah. What are some other right? What are some other taglines for Midsummer? And then in the prequel, they're not even Swedish, but whatever. Um, another tagline I have is still interested. I I could see that one coming. Kelly, one. Yeah. I just want to back up real quick. They weren't Swedish in the original either. That was the point. They were Norwegian. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But someone so, said, "Are we at war with Sweden?" Didn't they? Uh, well, McCready thought they were Swedes, and he gets corrected that they're Norwegians, and so they, they weren't Swedes Sweden. in the sequel either, in the prequel either, because they were. But at Norwegians. least he named the thing correctly. That is true. That's Kelly, one. So we so far have two taglines for Midsummer. Is this a movie worthy of a third tagline? May as well be on acid anyway at that point. <laughs> And finally, yes, the sequel to the classic Anti-Romance starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zooey Deschanel. Ha ha. Ah, Diggis hates it. Oh, Diggis got to see Midsummer. That's the exciting thing. That's Wait, well, I don't know that. Right. Is that a is that a thousand and one days of no? What is five, it? Five hundred days. Of, days yeah. Okay. That's how long it feels to tell. <laughs> well, Diggis, Diggis, give the listeners the basics about this movie. Don't spoil anything. Uh, we'll have Kelly Wan do that in a minute. Just tell us the basics. All right. Well, this week we saw Midsommar, a 2019 United States and Sweden co-production about recycling. It was directed and written by Ari Aster and stars Florence Pugh, Jack Raynor, Wilhelm Blomgren, William Jackson Harper, and Will Poulter. Mm. Midsommar. <laughs> Midsommar is rated R for disturbing ritualistic violence. <laughs> They're so specific. And grisly images. Literally. Yeah. Grizzly, yeah. Uh, strong, <laughs> strong sexual content, graphic nudity, drug use, and language. Man, they they got they ticked off all the boxes there. Kelly, one, how is anything missing? There's nothing left. I agree with the MPA that it is good value, um, but I also <laughs> noticed an improper use of a bear suit, some Swedish people, improper use of a hammer, and some relationships. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Midsummer is uh, at eighty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Ah! The average rating on Metacritic from various reviews is 72. Uh, the CinemaScore crowd, they liked it better than Hereditary, at least. Hereditary got a D plus. Uh, Midsummer, C plus. They're getting used to it. Yeah, Ari Oster's working his way up. He'll, he'll eventually get his A minus. Uh, it opened at number six. Uh, awesome. it, it was beat by the second weekend of Annabelle Comes Home. Oh, classic horror. It made uh, $6.5 million, but uh, unlike A24's other horror movies like The Witch and Hereditary... uh, Oh, no, no, it did have a wide release. I was going to point out uh, The Lighthouse was the one that A24 was like, yeah, we can't... 
This isn't a wide release. We don't know what to make of this. This is no Midsummer. Yeah, exactly. Midsummer, Hereditary, and The Witch. They were all like, yeah, 2,000, 2,900 screens, go for it. But There's Lighthouse, no they're like. in the Lighthouse. Yeah, they're just dipping their toes in the water. That never hit more <laughs> than, I think, 900 screens. Um, let's see. What else can I. Oh, and that's it. Uh, we it didn't made, do an Annabelle Comes Home podcast, so let the record show. I don't think we've ever done an Annabelle podcast, yeah. I know. Because so dolls are summer. scary. Dolls are as scary almost as wide open mouths. It's terrifying. When I was a kid, I was scared of dolls, and I have totally beat that fear. I think they're fucking easy to kill, I've decided. Well, you need to see more Puppet Master movies. Okay. That's a pet challenge. <laughs> What's the one? Uh, no lie, Damien Chazelle, I believe, true. wrote a Puppet Master movie. Really? I think so. I think before last – someone of note – I may be misremembering. That's what got me to do first band, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> what the – I didn't know he lived in Orange County. Crazy. But yeah, someone of note wrote the last Puppet Masters versus Nazis movie. I, okay. Oh, you know what? It was uh, Tom Lennon. I don't know why I thought Damien Chazelle. Never mind. <laughs> I confuse the two of them. They're the piece. Uh, I get a, those two guys mixed up all All right, Kelly Wand – uh, I need you to explain what happened in this movie to me. It's a little uh, confusing. Yeah, a lot going on. Yeah. To unpack, as you would say. Exactly. Or as they'd say at work, oh, we got to make sure that lands. They talk about something landing. That yeah, I don't understand land. corporate speak. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Although, speaking of landing, you know, Ryan Gosling probably has something to say about that. Mm-hmm. That's what he's famous for in that movie? In First Man, yeah. Yeah, that's true. He does land. That's his specialty. Right. He's putting something on the ground that doesn't weigh anything. He knew how to land that, yeah. That's why I liked it. All right, back to this movie. Back to Earth, Kelly Wan. I can't wait to hear Dingus's... Oh, I'm so excited. It's it's kind of the money, and then this is just the little foreplay that tenderizes us for the Dingus review. Ah, okay. In other words, I didn't... Work very hard on this. Midsummer Ops. <laughs> hey man, how's breaking up with Midsummer going? <laughs> um, ring ring. Hello. Hey, it's Midsummer. My girlfriend. You miss me? I love you. What do you miss most about me? I'm sad. Why don't you love me? Did you throw away that shirt like we talked about? <laughs> Uh, what time will you be home? <laughs> well, I am home. Hey, and uh, tonight's game night with the guys. Remember at Tom's? <laughs> uh, Alien vs. Predator, Requiem, Ancient, Talisman. <laughs> Tom's getting married. But you're driving me to my sister's rehab tomorrow at 8 a.m., right? I love you. Oh, it's tomorrow? Wait, why do you need me to drive to that? Or you to drive to that? To show our support for her. You're still giving a speech to her group, aren't you? About how much you admire her courage? Um... <laughs> you promised you wouldn't break up with me, remember? <laughs> yeah, I think you misheard I love you. You still love me, don't you? You said we'd always be together, even if I jumped off a cliff and I got hit with a hammer. You wouldn't lie, would you? While I'm going through all this, I'll see you in an hour? <laughs> um, 
Also, grab me some coconut milk from Spain. Uh, Hold on, I'm getting another call. Some firemen in slow motion find a stuffed moose in someone's house. Midsummer's all. No! <laughs> Later at friends' night. Hey, bro, sup, guys? Okay, I got the weed. Everybody's here. Let's do this. They all start drinking beer and turn on the TV. Some words are all the Mandalorian. They're all, yeah! Woo! <laughs> the doorbell rings. Oh, yeah, um, okay, so, uh, yeah, so Midsummer might be coming over and also coming to Sweden with us tomorrow. Hide the beer. Don't say anything fireman-related. Shh. Hey, girl! <laughs> Why is it so quiet in here? Are you guys talking about me? Are you talking about me? Why are you talking about me? Uh, I'm going to go to the kitchen and heat this uh, quinoa that Midsummer made for all of us. Mmm. Come, guys. You guys like quinoa, I hope. Who doesn't? Oh, Mandalorian. Did you see the baby Yoda at the end of this episode? Oh, God. What the fuck? Actually, I've seen the last episode because of work. The Mandalorian turns out to be an alien from a crystal skull. There's like a million clues. And Carl Weathers is Lando's clone. You guys didn't watch that one yet? Oh, sorry. I said on all these game pieces. <laughs> Gary, kiss me in front of your friends. They don't care. Yeah, I'm going to go to the kitchen. Uh, here, talk to my male Swedish friend, Abba. <laughs> oh, you're Swedish, huh? You guys sure were neutral during World War Z. <laughs> I like you suddenly, Midsummer. Your boyfriend Gary is there, my friend also. You feel held by him. Does he feel like home to you? You should hear him when we're on the phone. He's like, totally home. When he orders pizza, do you cry? Um, when you go to the mall, does he set fire to the massage chair? Well, when you eat at restaurant, does he tell the waiter, my order is simple, but then he say, I want waffles with the circles in them instead of squares and crushly squeezed razzleberries. You've been spying on me and Gary. Do you enjoy being in relationships that feel like going over a cliff and getting hit in face with hammer? I think you'll enjoy my country. It's the cradle of civilization. The black friend rolls his eyes. <laughs> Beside me, naked Arnold's all. In the Conan movie, I joined a strange Swedish cult where the people jump off the cliff because they think Darth Vader has the answers because he turns into a snake with the long hair. <laughs> Maybe they're right. He cut my blonde mother's head off because she forgot how swinging the sword would be more effective than standing with the sword while holding the hand of the child actor with the different colored eyes than me. Costner peeks over the back of his seat. Hey, uh, Brett's on Charlie's Angels and Dr. Sleep making your box office woes three weeks old. Do not try to understand the box office, Costner. You will melt your feather dress. It's called a headdress. Later in Sweden. Everyone, this is Midsummer, and these are her friends and two other people they will have to kill. <laughs> crowd of robed extras stares, then disperses glumly. Ah, uh, they love you all. Now it is custom here to take acid within seconds of your arrival and then wander around the hillside, feeling insecure. <laughs> he holds out a mug. The black friend's all, damn! He drinks through the mug and runs around giggling and taking his clothes off. 
Uh, I was hoping your black friend would hold my mug here for me so I could get the acid out of my pocket. But okay, there we are. To Swedish, Amish, Druidic, Evil. Another couple walks up. Hey, we're in this. <laughs> Midsummer, now that we're on acid, I think it's a good time to say let's break. Oh, Gary, taking this acid in Sweden has made me enjoy you. Hey, look, some grass. Midsummer capers around. A circle of Swedish girl extras in bonnets point and laugh at her. She starts sobbing. Midsummer, what is it? Laughed at me. No, Midsummer, it's part of tradition. A weird girl with CG lips walks by. What the fuck? This hasn't crazy. An old man walks by wearing a sheet. Ah, Grandpa's at table. Yes, uh, he's in Dr. Sleep also. He forgot to wear clothes again. Classic grandpa's a table. Tomorrow he will be special guest of honor at the Festival of Hammers and Cliffs. You should come. But first, <laughs> the Festival of Tables and Plate Passing. He claps his hands. All the extras sit at a long table and pass plates down the row for a few minutes. Then they start on some forks. Gary and Dingus roll their eyes. <laughs> the black friend winks at us and covertly scribbles the word plates on a notepad then hastily tears it off and hides it in his shoe, then digs a hole and hides the shoe. Grandpa is led to the head of the table and stands there in his sheath. The extras start passing out napkins. <laughs> Beside me, Eli Roth stands up. This movie's not how European countries are at all. <laughs> Eventually, Ratner talks him to the men's room. The Swedes start passing placemats down the table. Abba's all, oh, shit, uh... Actually, salad bowl should be first. So please pass the plates back down uh, over to me. Thank you. They pass the plates back. Then he starts distributing bowls. Midsummer stands up. I think my acid's starting to wear off. Uh, the creepy red-headed girl whispers in Abba's ear. Uh, sorry, we've just been informed that we are out of lettuce. So uh, pass the bowls back down. And then we're going to do these plates after all first. So for the cabbage boule. The plates come back out. They start passing them back down. Also, maybe pass the forks, the salad forks back to stay. Also, <laughs> no, not pass them out. Oh, okay, very funny, Grandma. <laughs> Eventually, Grandpa sits, nods, waits, yawns, then starts eating. One by one, down the table, all the extras dig in, while Dingus keeps watching Midsummer. The weird redheaded girl giggles, kicks Gary in the back of the head, and sticks a pink ribbon down his pants. What the... Ah, it is ancient tradition. She was last year's succubus of the harvest demon May Queen Princess. She's simply claiming you as her own for the ceremonial insemination. Oh, cool. Midsummer's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that night in the barn, Gary confronts his black friend. I knew it. Taking notes on the cult we're hanging out with? Oh, thought we were friends, Randy. Yo, man, I gotta write my thesis on these crazy Swedes. No, we'll both write a thesis. 50-50. That's how theses work. <laughs> this has gone crazy. The black friend shakes his head at us. Damn! Then reluctantly they shake hands. Beside me, Tony Collette yawns. The next day... <laughs> Behold, Grandpa's the table and Grandmother stapler. They have served well and pleasurably. Their great age and wisdom and skill at table setting makes them a very exciting power couple here in Spingen, Nightfall, Mjolnir Pasturelands. Fly to heaven, old man! The old bear walks over a cliff and falls. Whoa! <laughs> and his friends walk up and start hitting him in the face with a hammer decorated with the Swedish flag. 
Beside me, Dingus rallies, stands up, pumps his fist, and yells, Norse! Oh, God. <laughs> See, Dingus, you love it. Hooray <laughs> for Dingus. That is things. <laughs> the guy Millennial Extra does a spit take. What the fuck? Dingus like that? <laughs> Babe, please, it's just their culture. Relax. Here, have some more acid. The next day. Um, has anyone seen Stinky and Stacy, the other people that are in this? Ah, Stinky said he did not feel well, so he drove home, and then Stacy met him at the train station, and then they said to tell you both goodbye, Sweden rocks, and they will not post any pictures of this trip on Facebook because they prefer to remember it in their hearts, which we placed in that sack over there, hanging from sacred reindeers, Duncan Spiegel. I don't know. That doesn't sound much like Stacy. Gary's all, come on, babe. Quit being such a cunt. Oh, all right, I guess you're right. I mean, I lost my parents in a weird way, too, uh, earlier in the movie. Gary raises a shovel. Oh, by the way, my black friend also had to go to the train station. Uh, said he always gets mistaken for Swedish. The next day. Ah, Midsummer, would you like to enter the drinking dancing contest for May Queen? These think you'd be natural based on your alcohol consumption and acid throughout the film. Uh, well, Gary does usually make me dance alone, so... There's no cliffs or hammers to my face involved, are there? Not for many years, depending on the die roll, once every full moon. What do you think, Gary? I don't give a fuck what you do. Alright, I guess I'm in, uh... Midsummer joins a bunch of Swedish girls, and they dance and drink and dance some more around a pole, passing out or throwing up one by one until only Midsummer and an extra are left. <laughs> Shit, now I do feel like walking off a cliff. Hey, Mildred, Gigi, you win. She taps the other dancing girl who collapses. Yeah, you have won, Midsummer. You are now the May Queen and ruler of all Sweden. Yay, Gary, you hear that? Who has the awesomest girlfriend? Uh, I'd rather date the little girl from Hereditary and the oh. ants. Oh. Here, Gary, come with me. You are also a winner. Uh, it's not going to be anything weird, I hope, because I'm kind of sick of being in this thing. <laughs> Later in a barn. Uh, do the rest of all you girls need to sit so close? <laughs> do the rest of us all need to sit so close? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'll just get this over with. Okay, Redhead. Uh, uh, guess you get us over with, Redhead. Uh, uh. Midsummer watches through a crack in the door and shakes her head. Classic Gary. <laughs> Later. And now, Midsummer, for the closing ceremonies of the Swedish Woodstock 19, you need to pick someone to burn alive wearing a bear. Gary. Gary sits in a barn wearing a bear suit. <laughs> His barn catches fire around him. His expressions all technically, I still count this as me breaking up with her. <laughs> Outside, Midsummer wearing a flower made of crowns sobs, then smiles and laughs. Finally, Gary's wearing something she approves of. The end. <laughs> Kelly, that was great. That was exactly what I needed. Oh, all right. I'm glad that worked out. <laughs> all right. Well, Surprise. Kelly Wan, we know you like this. Uh, you'd certainly have to get Tom Tom Chick movie as well. But let's get Dingus in here first. Dingus, what's a movie better than this and a movie not quite as good as this? 
Um, I would put uh, the movie Titus over this um, because it's uh, it's got this weird graphic ritualistic um, quality to it and people trapped in a different place that don't quite understand the rituals um, and have to learn them the hard way. And under this, I would put Spirited Away, oddly enough, for the same reasons. Um, although that has more of the self-indulgence quality that kind of gets them into the ritual uh, because of the the gluttony and whatnot. But that's the parents. The little girl isn't necessarily to blame for that. Not that anybody's to blame. It's just they go into it hoping to get something out of it and they get something out of it. Um, so you can tell by me choosing two movies I really do love that I quite, quite loved this movie. Get a load of that, Kelly Warren. Did you huh. see that coming? No, I still don't. <laughs> I'm waiting for the trick. Another shoe to drop. Well, I didn't understand it. That's the trick. I think you're just, you're, you're, you're expanding your zone. I think I feel like, like you're reaching out and you're, exploring new movie types that you didn't used to like and you've grown well, and before we're shrinking but give us your over and under kelly wand <clears throat> my movies are about cults that burn people so my over is last of the mohicans um, ah it's not a cult though i take issue with that it's a native american tribe <laughs> what's the difference how dare come you. on the aztecs were a cult therefore <laughs> a michael mann movie and my under is uh Wicker Bad, the old one, because I don't really count the new one as canon. Although Mandy is another under. I think I liked it more than Hereditary. Um, so we'll oh, talk about that if you want. Okay. I'll tell you why when you feel uh, My over and under are, are movies. So so what I what I liked most about this movie, and I kind of want to talk about it uh, in some of the same I terms. I didn't that, like it. Yeah. Why, why do you say that? I thought you, I thought you were like, uh, like it's not as – like I thought you were disappointed in it. Um, it's no hereditary, and one of the reasons that I want to talk about that is uh, I, I feel that uh, both uh, Robert Eggers and Ari Oster came out of the gate with this this mo with movies that just knocked me out of my socks, and then they did very different things in their second movies. For for certain reasons, Robert Eggers' second movie, The Lighthouse, didn't work for me, and we talked about that on the podcast. Even though I think this is very different from Hereditary, there's a lot more commonality to Hereditary. Uh, it has a very different tone, and I think a very different, mm, a mostly yes. different message. Uh, but I I didn't mind that it was different, and I, I I really liked what he was doing, and I think it's incredibly thought-provoking stuff that uh, I look forward to talking about. But it didn't blow me away in the same way that Hereditary did. Hereditary, for me, was a very visceral experience, and this is more of a kind of an intellectual experience, I think. Mm. Yeah. What if you see them in opposite order? Oh, sorry, and opposite. I didn't... My, my over and under, and part of, partly why I, I want to call this an intellectual experience, is as far as a movie about religion, uh, I put this, and I'm glad you mentioned Wicker Man, because there's kind of a continuum of movies about... Yeah how uh, paganism interacts with various forms of religion. Uh, and I would start with a movie that I would put over Midsummer, and this is a classic, and I don't normally get grandpa movies, much less grandpa foreign movies, but uh, I, I think Ingmar Bergman's uh, Virgin Spring is, is brilliant, and it's an amazing mm. study of Christianity as opposed to paganism, to, to the Norse uh, mythology. And in Virgin Spring, it's very pro-Christian. 
uh, Christianity wins out. Uh, I think this is not quite as good as that. However, I think it's better than The Wicker Man, which is weirdly specific to Church of England versus paganism, and it has this idea of the English Empire versus indigenous peoples, almost, in a way. Uh, it's way more specific, and I don't think it um, ages that well. It's a little yeah. hard to watch Christopher it's Lee. It's boring. It, it's, it's weirdly paced, and watching Christopher Lee tromp around in a wig, especially after seeing – is it Anita Ekberg? Who's the hot blonde chick? Brett Eklund. Yeah, yeah, Brett Eklund. Uh, after seeing, they used a body double, and she regretted it because she's like, oh, I had a better ass than that. Oh, Kelly Wand, I didn't need to know that. Now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, she's sad too. Um, so I think this is better than Wicker Man uh, because I do think this is about how the modern age it, – it, it's Ari Oster basically saying – Here's how fucked up the modern age is. Right. Here's how fucked up paganism is. Would you choose? You know, which one is weirder to you? How do you feel about the contrast? Uh, and I don't think he answers the question, which I love about this movie. She find it's her arc of sad. She finds uh, self-actualization through the cult. It's a triumph. Mm. It's a happy ending for her. She finds her family, Tom. And Dingus, I'm really excited that Dingus liked it because uh, I thought he wouldn't like it because there's no one very sympathetic, and I would have thought maybe that would turn him off. Wait, Dingus, so talk us through what, why why did you like this? Uh, why would we have said – why do you think we – yeah. Were we dumb for saying it wasn't for you? Exactly. I thought you were having me on as I watched it. Um, wow. Uh, now, I'm so sure. It, it took me some time to um, – well, no, actually, I loved it from the beginning because I liked – I really liked the way the – I love the way the movie is shot and the way it opens. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the contrast yeah. in, in the way um, males and females treat their relationships among their friends and with each other. Uh, I just I, – I found that fascinating, the way she talks to Christian, the way she talks to her friend on the phone. Um and the little clues that the movie is giving you about what she has to deal with psychologically and in addition to what her sister is dealing with. And, and by contrast, uh, the way Christian and his friends, especially Mark, are dealing with him, you know, get off the fence, dude. Uh, you know, and her friends, her friend is on the phone very much saying um, that's what he's there for to support you. And it's just it was just this wonderful contrast. And then it moves into this movie and you kind of get this feeling of dread. Um, and I I would have said horror. I just I just didn't want to label it as as anything because it was a joy to discover it, although it was a little difficult because I was watching it with somebody, my dad, who I who as <laughs> I know wow. that's as, an interesting okay. as the movie developed, I thought. He's going to need to leave the room at some point. And I told him that would be okay. And he just didn't. Um, it would Did he like it? Yeah. I, I don't know. No, he liked the experience of watching it with me, I think. Um, and we had just had a discussion about things that touched on some of the topics in this movie. Um, and so when you say that nobody's sympathetic, I mean, it. There's so many things to talk about as far as this movie is concerned, especially because we had a lot of people write in. Um, yeah. and, and one of the things uh, that I wanted to bring up right off the bat before I go into uh, a couple more things, and I'm interested to hear especially what Tom has to think about the question I'm about to ask. But first, um, Rand and McLean wrote in 
uh, saying Darius Thomason, Christensen, and Kelly Kelly Juwan. Um She said she she thought it was not as funny as Hereditary, but more enjoyable overall. Uh, both films left me with a feeling of elation as they ended with joyous rituals. Hereditary's hazy and golden midsummer in a stark, relentless sunshine. Uh, and I loved that choice. Um, what I didn't know is something that Justin D. Heard said. He had seen a director's cut that was an actual full three hours long that showed another ritual that took place at night. And he said it was just so weird to see that cast against the recent ritual of them on the cliffs in the sunlight. And it just was jarring. And he was glad that he cut it. So I, huh. the, the thing I want to ask is a couple people have mentioned it this way. And for, I don't, I don't know why I, I bristle at this a little bit, but the word cult bothers me in relation <laughs> to this movie. Um, really? Okay. I, I don't know why that is, you know, you know, on what when, grounds I would. Ask. Well, when pals, when, when she asks or he asks pals or she asks pals, oh, you, you you live in a commune and he says, yes, it's, it's a small community. Uh, he understands the pejorative implication of commune coming from an American. Um, he's, he's talking about it as a community cause he sees it as his family. Um, and I don't know that I, I don't, I, I, I guess it is a cult, but I don't I think of that word in a in a different way. And certainly you have Mark saying, oh, we're going to stop by Waco first. Um, so I understand why that is. But I don't know if you can shed any light on that, Tom, as to why it bothers me to hear the word cult used here or if it even affects you at all. Uh, do, do you I I mean, it, it well, so it depends. Cult, isn't it? Well, so it depends on how you define cult or what sort of baggage you, you bring with it. And I, I think the neutral way to look at the difference between a cult and a religion is a religion is a cult that has assimilated and been assimilated by social norms and is socially acceptable. Uh, ah. The definition of a cult, in terms of beliefs, I don't think there's necessarily any difference. It all has to do with how social norms regard that, that worldview, that system of beliefs. Christianity began as a cult. It was a very small Jewish cult, and eventually uh, it was accepted by the, the Roman Empire, and it integrated with the, the rest of society. Um, so this is a cult in that it is definitely not something that, that, Swedes, that, that normal Swedish society would uh, understand or uh, integrate into uh, its own values. Um, so a, a cult, a cult doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's a sort of sense of a, a rogue system of Sex. beliefs. Um, and and by this rationale, by the way, you could call uh, Mormons. You could certainly call um, uh, one of the L. Ron Hubbard yahoos. Scientologists. Scientologists are cults. But you could also say Mormons don't integrate very well. There's there's a sense of being a cult. Some there. are benign. But yeah, exactly. I don't think cult has to necessarily be a value judgment. Right. It's more uh, a statement on its position to the society around it, I, I would say. So I would say this is definitely a cult, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a judgment about what they do or what they believe. Okay. I, I, I see the difference that you're making because for me, gr growing up, when something was labeled as a cult, be it a, a different uh, – something that eventually became a different denomination. And I was thinking, I don't see much difference between what we do and what they do, right. but it was still labeled as a cult. And it was meant to be, we do not associate with those people. They're crazy. Different. People. Um, 
And so I, I understand what you're saying now uh, as far as judgment is concerned. So when I hear that word, it it raises alarms with me as, as a bunch of crazy people. Right. Um, and that's – that's, oh, go ahead. Well, I just don't necessarily see that as any different than any other belief system necessarily. Crazy, I think it's a judgmental way to put it, and I think a better way to think of it is outliers. Okay. Uh, they're more fringe beliefs. Cults tend to also uh, center around a concept or a personality or sometimes even an item or, or something uh, like a relic. Uh, and I think this is a cult of lost Swedish tradition. Uh, and so, yeah, so uh, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I do think you could call these folks a, a cult. But I think what I kind of find remarkable at the move, about the movie is I'm not sure that Ari Aster is, is – passing any judgment on them right because the first part of the movie and he does this uh in a very economic way and in a very short time period um the first part of the movie is this incredibly dark grim horrific representation of death in the modern age and and how we use medication and suicide and the uncertainty of relationships uh, mm-hmm. Of how there's no real outlet for grief or anguish. Um, it, it's this idea of being lost in the, in the modern age, and and just how by not having any sort of religious touchstone or moral touchstone for so many of these these crucial parts of our lives, it can be very confusing for people. Whether we're talking about Danny's relationship with her boyfriend Christian, or whether we're talking about her sister being bipolar and committing a murder suicide against her parents. Um, and then what Ariaster does is he then contrasts that with a society that is very ritualistic about death and sex and medication and suicide, about relationships, who you have babies with, where, where grief and anguish are expressed communally. Like literally uh, you get down on the floor with other people and you share their anguish. Um, yeah. And he's showing us how, how fucked up both of these can be, and I don't think he's necessarily – Passing judgment, Kelly Wan. But she's finding something that works for her. So, and in the in the way that religion works for anyone, it's working for her. Well, it works for her, but Kelly Wan, I, I think you could make an argument too that she is vulnerable and confused and medicated. Sure. That there's a, an element of brainwashing going on. She's gone through a horrible trauma. She's subjected to a more horrible trauma. Uh, and like, is this self-actualization really? Like, is her smile well, at the end? What are we supposed to make of that? It, it, does it does it justify everything that the cult does? It's a happy ending the way 1984 has a happy ending. Sure, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. <laughs> but, but 1984 it, it, does not important. have a happy ending. No, no, but I mean, you know, well, I think 1984 is about a whole world that's like that. And for me, it's it, we're mostly in her head for the movie. Well, but you know, the 1984 comparison is very apt, Kelly Wong, because the 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 thing with. Uh, Authoritarian, authoritarian dictatorships and cults and even religions, they are worldviews. Right. Uh, and Whatever we say is true. Exactly. Well, not, we exactly. Like, here's the lens through which you look at your own experience and your life and the universe. You have to Share this that. with us. Yeah. Um, you can't so 1984 it. and Midsummer are about a person being assimilated into that worldview. Uh, 1984, clearly Orwell didn't approve of it. Here – and, and you guys, I would love to know if you think this is right. I don't think Ari Aster passes judgment on whether or not it's necessarily a good or a bad thing. He expects us to make our own conclusions about that. 
you know, for the people in the village, it's good. <laughs> for you, but Kelly Wan, like you, you seem to. I mean, I don't know if you were being facetious, but when you said that she was actualized through this experience, I mean, you, you that's seem her arc in the movie. Uh huh. Okay. Arc. She's okay. fine. She's liberated at the end. I mean, she's brainwashed too, but. Well, is it the difference between, I mean, her smile, I mean, you bringing that up is a great point. I mean, there's a difference between a beautiful smile and a beatific smile. You know, the there's a difference between beauty and, and bliss. It's like way. Joker. She finds transcendence through insanity. So I like that. Uh, it I is interesting. The first time we see her smile is when she's been uh, drugged for the dance. Like there's, uh, the, she's just miserable and unhappy, and, and poor Florence Pugh. I mean, that actress is is amazing. Uh, she is, yeah. But uh, the the first time you see her happy is when uh, she's dancing and drugged, uh, and then that's how the movie ends as well. But she takes acid excitedly after being reluctant about it at the beginning, doesn't she? I see. I, I saw this movie like two months ago. Well, they're they're mushrooms. No, first she, of all, she takes it under duress. And, and that's a great little like social moment too is that I think we've all understood where your girlfriend wants to do one thing and your buddies want to do something else and you don't want to pull or push from either side. Right, right. And if you don't take a stance, then it's just going to have to find some equilibrium. And in this one, in this situation, it's her collapsing because I, you know, I think this movie is about her being weak and not knowing what to do and feeling helpless. Uh, and that taking acid scene is a great example of it. Uh, is she's pressured in, into doing that? See, this is why I liked it more than Hereditary, is because it's all about it's more focused on one thing. And for me, Hereditary, the ending undercut something else I really liked that happened earlier in the movie. And in this, I felt it was like a very linear journey of her braidwashed ecstasy. I think it's both. I stand by that statement. It's well, they're both about they're both about uh, cults doing something. They're they're both about a, a cult. Bringing something about on unsuspecting people, uh, and ending with the cult's success, like the, the cult overcomes any resistance. And also, furthermore, I think they're both about. There's this great moment early in Hereditary where a teacher's giving a lecture, and he asks uh, about a, a, a Achilles, Achilles, like it's, it's some ancient Greek tragedy, and he asks the, the class, "What do you think?" And one of the the girl that one of the girls says. It's like they literally can't see the signs that are literally right in front of them. And I think that's true throughout both uh, Hereditary and Midsummer, um, with these, these cults doing this thing. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot those. Yeah. Because there's all sorts of like I, – I only saw this for the second time this past weekend. Uh, and this is definitely second time. Oh, it's definitely one of those movies like Hereditary where you see it a second time and knowing how it's going to turn out, there you can have a – you see things that Ari Aster was is doing that you didn't see the first time, I think. Uh, in defense of my self-actualization theory, mm -hmm. she does the dance. She wins that dance, like, through her – like, she's up against a tough brew, I would think. Like, they're, they should be seasoned at it, and so she still wins. So she's obviously born to be the May Queen. Uh, does she win, or do they throw it? You think they threw it? Is I don't know. It, I, I don't. I don't know the answer. Like, what if she hadn't won? Would the movie have been any different? I kind of doubt it. Right. I thought they looked like they were trying, but that, since you've seen it more recently than me, I thought you would. Well, there, there are several. It definitely looks like they're trying, but the, all of the girls are in on it, of course. Um, 
there are several implications that they need outside blood to reproduce so that the right, village isn't right. just a bunch of inbred weirdos. Um, so I, I think that that's – that Pele and his brother Ingmar, they've been tasked to go out in the world and bring us fresh blood. Right, girls with issues. Make friends. What Not just girls with issues but men too. Like they, they, need, uh, they need Christian as well. Right. Uh, what did you both think of the subplot about the thesis and the boyfriends thing? Well, the interesting thing about that is that um, uh, Rhiannon says that uh, the, a lot of the reviews she read see uh, the boyfriend as something of a villain or at least a, a jerk or a dick. Because uh, he's there for ulterior motives? Well, right? it's just because he's he's he doesn't stand up for her properly or whatever because of the way he acts, and she says I, that she simply doesn't uh, see him that way. And the very worst thing that he does is is steal the I think she called it the the uni um, because that you know that's an unethical thing that he does. Uh, but as far as being a character, she doesn't see him as a bad guy necessarily. He may he be a, let her come. He, he, he may be emotionally weak and not be able to take a stand like when uh, Mark says, dude, you need to get off the fence about this. You've been wanting to break up with her for a year. Um, right. <laughs> There's a lot of that line that it tells us much about that character like right away. Right. Well, and even, too, when he says, you know, you should go out with someone who's not uptight about sex. I mean, that one line there. Yeah. Just casts a whole new light whole on on exactly on the way that, that they end up using Christian as well, uh, like that. I love this op- the opening of this like just that slow burn of relationship stuff. The damn yeah. stuff, so good. Fuck. Yeah. Like, and if you, I'm I'm kind of bummed that I knew what was going to happen from the trailers a little bit. I know you guys get on me about watching trailers. Well, that's what you get. Yeah, you asked. But for also, it. so by the time I saw it, everyone had seen it, and I, like I was, you know, there's posters for it. Right. Right. But well, when you saw it, when did you not know where it was going? Or Dingus, too? Well, John Reninger says that, who did not like this, by the way, um, <laughs> says that uh, he just thought there was too much foreshadowing in it. So I don't think the trailer would have made any difference to him. He sees everything that's coming as it's coming. Maybe and I think, though, that's that's that gets at this whole, whole thing that Hereditary was doing about they literally can't see the signs that are literally in front of them. Uh, right. You know, what John Renninger calls foreshadowing is, is true, but I think it's intentional. It's to show us how oblivious the characters are to the machinations of these cults. Which is a really nightmarish – like it adds to the dread because you're like – you see it and they're just blind. That's, that's the question raised in the classroom is is it more tragic if they can't avoid it, if they're if, – if they're helpless and that there's nothing they can do to change their fate, does that make it more or less tragic? Well, if they could see it, they could change it, maybe. But the fact that they can't see it, they have no chance of changing it. Right, right. But all I knew was that it was a compared, and I wished I hadn't known this, is it had been compared to uh, The Wicker Man. So I figured, okay, there's going to be some weird cult stuff and probably someone's going to get burnt at the end. I think I love even lame cult stuff. Like I've never met a cult I don't like. What's that Christopher Walken one? The Prophecy isn't that a cult movie? Uh, it's about like <laughs> angels, it's about yeah. angels fighting. Uh, Maybe that's not the one I mean. I might be thinking of the wrong movie. Uh, there's a Sam Neill was a cult leader, wasn't he? There's a there's a Thai West movie called The Sacrament. Did any of you guys see this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Wait, is that the Jim Jones one? Yeah, yeah, the Jonestown yeah, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. where uh, Gene Jones, the the gas station proprietor from No Country for Old Men, he plays the charismatic leader of the cult, and A.J. Bowen, and uh, is a is a, a reporter who's coming to interview him, uh, and there it, it's 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 specifically about Jonestown, but they don't it doesn't quite have the scale that Jonestown actually took place That's on. Like- but they're telling the same story at a smaller scale. But yeah. you kind of ruined that movie for me because you're like, dude, it was a tenth of the people, the real thing. So, like, the movie should be the more spectacular. I don't think Ty West had the budget for that. But really? Yeah. This, uh, that's like saying Titanic was, like, five casualties. <laughs> Titanic was a – let's use a much – let's use a 40-foot yacht. <laughs> yeah. You just got to take on disasters you can afford to film. That's just part of Well, but the, is the – I mean I, – I I like the similarities between Midsummer and and the Sacrament, uh, as far as bringing the newcomers into this seeming seemingly uh, blissful, happy, functional com- commune, and then watching things get insidious and scary, uh, and turning against them. Um, this is much more. There's much more craft. Uh, this is much more about the mental state of the victims. Uh, the Sacrament is much more of uh, sort of a Plot point, plot point, plot point, uh, plot-driven horror movie in a way. Something I really enjoy about the cinematography in this mm-hmm. is uh, – and maybe this is part of the not-judgment thing or just like he's sort of hedging – is it's the cinematography when they get to Sweden is so beautiful. Like, oh, these great just groups of people in the countryside, mm-hmm. and yet there's something wrong about it too in the same shot. Like you have oh, all these people are sitting at a table, but – there's still something off, and like you can tell the civilians from the the cultists, and uh, I like that mixture. Just like, oh, it should be beautiful. Yeah. Like if yeah. you were really in Sweden, it would it wouldn't be creepy. <laughs> uh, do you guys yeah, remember uh, what the uh, what the suicide note or the last email was that Danny got from her sister? No, I was confused during that whole section of the movie. Uh, she wrote before hooking up those those tubes, and by the way, that is as horrific. An image, as I can recall, seeing in a long time, right. is the sister with the duct tape on her face and the tube yeah. into her mouth. Like that was Jesus. Who thinks of something that horrific? Um, but the last thing she wrote to uh, Danny, her sister, was uh, "Everything is black." Yeah. And uh, then we cut to Sweden, where everything is is either white right. or super colorful. She's yeah. got all these flowers around her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the visual contrast, Kelly Wand, and still it manages this sense of. There's something ominous in all of this. And Hereditary um, did well, that too. Like that's it, an it, thing. Yeah. It actually opens with a shot of Sweden. The first, very first shot is of the forests of Sweden in the winter. Um, and then it cuts over to this valley where uh, the phone is ringing at her parents' house and cuts and cuts and cuts until it gets inside the house. But that first shot is of the trees of Sweden and then cutting to the valley in the United States. Do you remember what the shot was before the trees, though, Dingus? No, what's right before the tree? Because that's another cool thing seen at the second time. Uh, Ari Aster opens with a close-up of a one of those uh, tableaus, one of those drawings. Yeah, yeah, I, it reminded me of Troyes actually. And but the drawing is the exact plot of the movie. You can right. even tell Will Poulter's 
yeah. little characters, Will Poulter, and there's William Harper Jackson is the only black guy. Like there, it's like four. It's not a triptych; it's a Alive. quadric or whatever, whatever you would call it. It's like four images of different points in the movie. Um, right. So someone you know, had to draw for the movie. That's a prop, right? And and Sam Vidovich says that as well. It, Sam really liked this, and Sam says. Uh, as you are, uh, I'm, I assume, try, uh, going to make the point about that it's all there in the art. Exactly. Well, yeah, and it's also, yeah, it's it's yeah. not mere foreshadowing. It is telling you, just putting the signs in front of you. This is what's going to happen. Uh, and that 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 right after that funny line, those two funny lines about the bear, uh, and and Connie or whatever her name is, asks, "What's that over there?" And and he says, "Well, let's go look." And th- that moment where she's trimming her hair and peeing in a cup on that thing that's hanging on the on the stand there, my dad is like, what the? <laughs> and watching that a second time, you're like, oh, well, that's everything that she does. Yeah. Yeah. As far as we know. So so she I see I see what bread. you're saying. John, John thinks of like the hair. The hair pie is as being Ugh. something that he saw foreshadowed, but it's a sign. It's, yeah, not revealed. Yeah, shown to us, the audience, and the, the signs right in front of the people. You know, they're behind that little clothesline with all those ta- tapestries or whatever on them, and they they don't see these things. Yeah, we do as the audience. Right. Um, I was disappointed when I saw it. I I was sure that bear was going to tear somebody up. I was a little disappointed <sighs> that, that he came to that. I felt bad for the guy. Yeah, the Borat bear has a, a dark fate too. Bears never make it out, Tom. Uh, the, so, the bear and the revenant fared pretty well. And Chernobyl Diaries. <laughs> right, radiation bear. Yeah. Speaking of Will Poulter, by the way, in the revenant. Um, oh yeah. So, yeah. so uh, a couple people thought, and you know, I, the way I put it when I watched it uh, was that I just I didn't get why the why these visitors. Uh, were just so freaking compliant, and uh, and John calls it just says the characters are acting dumb, and um, Brian Becker says I don't I can't believe the morons stayed after the cliff thing, why wouldn't they just leave? Um, but it seems like everything they're told to do they do, and that's the first time I heard the word cult was when my dad basically said, well you know, in a religion or a cult, you know you you're gradually told to do things and you just do them um i think too like i've heard some folks say and i think dingus one of the emails might have gotten to this that the stuff about the thesis is superfluous and why is that in the movie Uh, i think part of why that's in the movie is to give two of the characters motivation to stay after the cliffside ritual uh, is that they uh, they have a vested interest in what's going on. It appeals to something that is important to their lives. Whereas anybody else, like um, uh, Connie and what's, – what's the book? Simon. Connie and Simon are like, no, we're out of here. Uh, right. William Harper Jackson and, and Jack Rayner, yeah. they want to stay. and They're fascinated by this, and they want – you know, this pulls them in more than pushes them away. Huh, and, okay. and I think if we didn't have that – that scholarly draw that the movie shows us that they have, then I would totally agree with, you know, why are you staying after seeing this crazy suicide ritual? Yeah. For the trailer, or after I saw the trailer, I go, oh, I think she's going to f- jump off the cliff, and then the damage to her face was, that was what I thought the inbreeding girl was. I thought that was the main character after she fell off a cliff. Oh. 
That's how dumb I am. Oh, because they All show right. that in the trailer. Right. Yeah. Go, well, oh, that's the thing. I mean, the trailer. Cliff dive. Yeah, oh. stupid trailers. Like, they, they just give you these images, and they know you're going to tie them together in weird different ways, and you're going to want to see if you're right. Yeah. Um, and you are or you aren't, and I wasn't. Yay. Thanks, trailer. Well, who would have thought? I mean, the whole, the, the whole idea, too, of deliberately uh, giving birth to inbred babies to be oracles and to just smear paint and then have the elders read signs and wisdom or whatever from that smeared paint. Like, that's who who thinks of that? That's insane. Self-actualization, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> they have the answers, man. It works for her. <laughs> but that, that's just so, in, in its own way, awesome. kind of like horrific and disturbing. I saw this in Germany, and I could tell there were Swedes in the audience with me, and they were laughing. Like, they loved it. They thought it was hysterical. They thought it was a great movie. They seemed delighted at the end. Like, yeah. I, I do wonder do how, how many of these cultural how, – how many of this stuff would – how much of this stuff would be familiar to someone who is steeped in Swedish culture and history? It can't like, be anything – I would ask. I'll find out. These are good questions. I wonder. I wondered that too. I mean, I, from what I understand, Ari Aster did that as a jumping-off point, but then he underwent like a really difficult relationship deterioration, and kind of really? used this to sort it out. Oh. And and Sam Vidovich kind of uh, doesn't kind of he comes out and says that it's an allegory for a dying relationship, um, which I kind of like the way Sam treats this movie overall he's seen it a couple of times uh and i don't know if like i think he said he took three weed gummies before watching it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i would kind of take issue i would kind of take issue with that because it's not an allegory it's literally about a dying relationship uh and and i think too that um the, the the relationship is the framework, but I do think of it more as that's one aspect of Ari Aster showing us here's how this unfolds in the modern world where people stay together and they don't communicate and they're at cross purposes. Whereas here in this weird cult, uh, one of them becomes May Queen and decrees that the other one's going to burn to death in a barn. <laughs> like like it's it's yeah. these it's these different ways to address a relationship that's not working out. Um, and it's it's part and parcel with the commentary on on death and medication and and, and suicide and sex. Right. I think. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you most about uh, right now, since you led me into this about the medication thing. Do you see any um, any difference really between as far as medication is concerned from her, for instance, taking Ativan and from them taking mushrooms? Uh, I do in that the the mushrooms are uh, much more liberally uh, applied. Like the the drugging that this cult does, and and this is actually true of uh, I think a lot of cults, uh, is is part of how people are are made vulnerable and how things are suggested to them. Uh, whether it's people who are members of the cult or whether it's outsiders. Um, I mean, we of course have our own issue with drugging uh, in the modern age. And her taking right. Ativan, I mean, the like the whole opioid crisis. Uh, we've got our own baggage to deal with this, but I I do see them as as very similar. Um, yeah, they're well, they're that's just the movie's point, really. No, well, I agree, I, and that's exactly I agree. Which one do you think is fucked up more? People just uh, eating psilocybin mushrooms freely, or people uh, abusing Ativan? And I, there's not necessarily an implication that she abuses it, but you can't help but see that and think about 
drugs being readily available, prescription drugs being readily available to people in the U.S. A lot of times. Or her, or her, even if they're not available, her asking Josh a couple yeah. of times, can I quote unquote borrow a sleeping pill? Yeah, exactly. Or and you talking about rendering people um, in the at least in that community uh, susceptible to suggestion. We do similar things when we medicate kids who have attention deficit disorder, for instance. Now, there are reasons that we do those things. I'm not saying it's wrong to use Ritalin or Adderall or whatever, uh, but how different are, are those things as far as we want to be able to teach you something and we can't teach you something if you're all over the place. Yeah, and, like so you talk you talking about them in a not I, I'm not saying casual as in a glib way, but in a uh, in a just a very easy way of saying these are both medications that they're taking. One is prescription medication and the other is a harvested medication, for instance. And it, right, and one is part of a ritual. The other is kind of just incidental to day to day life when you can't sleep or when you're upset about your parents being killed. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, another another great thing early on is do you guys remember when Christian takes the phone call at the restaurant and Will Poulter says you could be – the waitress kind of gives uh, Jack Rayner a little flirty look. Do you remember the exchange? Yeah, he says you could be, you could be impregnating her right now. And then uh, Pell says and, and think of all the Swedish girls so you could be impregnating. Exactly, yeah. Uh, That's not scary. foreshadowing. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the other connection. Right. So Tony Collette, of course, was in Hereditary. Tony Collette was in this movie I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, and you guys are going to see it sooner or later. Um, with Jack Rayner and Will Poulter, where the two of them are talking in their real accent, by the way. Uh, Will Poulter, uh, uh, British, no Irish. Wait, yeah, Jack Rayner's Irish. Will Poulter's British. Florence Pugh, uh, British. But there's a movie with Will Poulter and Jack Rayner and Tony Collette called Glassland, uh, that all three of them are in, and they're all three very good. Huh. Huh. Is it similar in theme? Uh, Glassland's a little erratic. The, the main reason to see it is just because to, Tony Collette is – it's one of those uh, 110% performances. It's just kind of staggering Velvet to Buzzsaw. watch. Uh, who is who is that great in Velvet Buzzsaw? Well, she's in that. She gets her hand in the thing. Well, Jack well that's right. I forgot about that. No, no. In, in Glassland, she's like – it's just – it's an incredible, just, just physical draining performance. Uh, Jack Drainer. Jack Drainer's in two <laughs> movies where somebody gets their head smashed. Uh, free Fall in this? Yeah. Yeah. Free Fire. Tom gets free shot fire. in that a lot. <laughs> uh, but uh, Justin heard, and I don't, I don't know any better because I'm an idiot as far as it comes to the kind of drugs he's talking about. Uh, Justin Heard says one of the things he likes about this as opposed to a movie, I think, I think the movie he brought up was Climax. Uh, he said it feels like they're actually taking drugs here. <laughs> yeah, by the standards of the genre, I was. They, their dialogue's similar, but their coordination. She becomes a better dancer. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Except for that. Well, and certainly, certainly the assistance with the assistance of the director and cinematographer. I mean, they're 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 definitely complicit in representing a, a blissed out, drugged state of mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. What did you guys think of the CG? When? Ah. <laughs> Are we talking about the fire? Cliff? The the what? Dingus? Uh, the fire? Because I don't think. 
That was CG. No. So there's very good – I love this use of CG. Uh, there's, a, there's a Chilean filmmaker named Sebastian Silva. And another movie I've talked about is uh, Magic Magic with a Juno Temple um, getting wrapped up in uh, – she's just this, this very uncertain, insecure American girl who travels to Chile and then gets stuck with a bunch of people she doesn't really know. <clears throat> and at one point she takes drugs, and there's a shot where she's on a couch. And oh. And the, the pattern on the couch is pulsing and weaving and moving around, and it's all CG. And it's Sebastian Silva wanting to represent her, uh, her state of mind. So they do this with the flowers here. Uh, like there's that one oscillating flower on her, her hat at the end. Uh, well, what, a, what about the, that whole field that's, that's uh, Certainly the field. The, right, the like field. water. But, but later on when she's at that banquet – table right. the food pulsing the flower in her hat um and yeah definitely the, the field the what are there birds in certain shapes in the sky in this or was that something else i watched baked during the same week a bunch of birds <laughs> take off when the old man jumps off or when the old woman when jumps the woman off the cliff does, yeah. but i don't know about other birds i like the hammer a lot but that that whole I'll... sequence where she walks across and, and you know she's walking and a couple of our listeners uh took issue with um, Mark's lines being uh, too uh, ADR'd, including Justin and somebody else who just felt like he had some really great lines, but it just felt like they weren't really his lines and they were just put in after the fact. Um, but when she's like, I, I need, I'm, I'm going to walk and you hear him behind her go, I can walk. You know, I can walk too. Because he's done that whole like, lie down, everybody lie down. <laughs> Remember that. Well, um, <clears throat> I mean, it's worth noting that they, they give him a jester's hat. Like, he is, he's supposed to be the fool throughout the movie, I think. Right. Yeah. After the fact is what ADR stands for, by the way. But the, the way that that pulsing worked in, in the field and in the trees and with the breathing of the trees mm-hmm. um, <sighs> and with the outhouse reminded me oddly of uh, the old... Video drum? Oh. No, of the, old black, <laughs> of the old Black Hole Sun video. By Soundgarden. Yeah. Tom doesn't like it because there's black mouths on the. <laughs> you don't like it because there's. Black I, I'm afraid on I that. don't know that video. Yeah. Uh, what? And, and since I brought up music, I, one of the things that um, uh, that Justin heard also really liked was how he, he's seen this movie three times, I think. Ugh, um, how uh, how how the lengths they went to to make the music diegetic, like the flute and whatnot. Yeah. The flutes when they first walk up. Take that, but, Captain Marvel. But for me, I wanted to ask Tom in particular because he's seen Heredity, Hereditary so many times. Um, the ritual at the end of of Midsommar, mm-hmm. the the music once we get into the fire switches to this, uh, and this is part of the relentless sunlight that Rhiannon talks about, I guess. But it's also just the the general idea of that they that the woman talks about as far as they take great joy from this this is about them uh trying to recycle themselves essentially and the music takes this hope goes completely in a hopeful direction uh to say nothing of the weird frankie valley tune that plays after that the sun ain't gonna shine anymore let's let's stick with saying nothing i'm so mad about that crap the ari Oster ends uh hereditary with Joni mitchell's both sides now and he ends this with frankie valley's the sun ain't gonna shine what is he doing what the fuck those are so annoying 
I don't know. I think he just looked up words, uh, songs with the word "son" in them. Uh, but I mean, he's uh, so good at, at maintaining tone. And then after this, this both of these movies have this chilling final scene of someone's face, and then a right. dumb pop song. Ugh. I didn't understand that either. But I loved the music that he's playing inside. Right the, up until then, the fiery barn. Up until that, the music just goes from almost. You you talked about the the way that. Uh, the community um, shares in their in their in what they're feeling, their grief or their ecstasy or whatever they're feeling. Mm-hmm. But I I I think it's even I think they magnify it and broadcast it. You know that sure. that sense of it of it being raised to the heavens when when they're thrashing about outside, and some of them are in ecstasy and some of them are in pain. They're magnifying the sounds that they hear coming from that barn, and I'm wondering. At the and I because I, I'm asking you this, Tom, because I don't remember. What's the musical choice at the end? In the ending ritual of Hereditary, it is amazing because it is this weird and it's unprecedented up to this point in the movie. It's this weird triumphant blare. It, it's music from the perspective of Paimon, who's victoriously coming into the – spoiler for Hereditary, by the way – who's victoriously coming into the world. Uh, it's like a newborn baby, and you know he's got this new body, uh, it, and it's so out of sorts with the horrific stuff we've just seen happen to this family. Um, Ari Aster, like switches gears, and, and it's, it's just – it's weird and dissonant and triumphant uh, and just really disconcerting. People get hmm. burned up in that too. Uh, okay, one guy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you you said something that reminds me of something that Brian Becker said when in his email because he 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 asks twice. He he begins his email saying, "Should I have seen Hereditary first? And then at the end of his email, he said, "But seriously, should I have seen Hereditary first? Because he talks about how beautifully shot, how beautifully the movie is made, but he says that the plot left him cold. And you said something about Midsummer leaving you cold. I thought. Well, it just wasn't as visceral an experience as, as Hereditary was, I, I think. Um, God, I loved it. I mean, I don't know about cold, but certainly it didn't – I didn't feel like Hereditary. I, I went out and saw it immediately afterwards. I didn't feel the need to see this again until we were going to do it for the, the podcast. Um, and you loved it visually and went, oh, look, all this stuff I didn't well, see. Well, uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean I, I would say I really liked it. Like I, I don't think it would necessarily be on my top ten, but I, I really like Ari Aster and what he does. Uh, and and you know, f- for me, Hereditary is a far better example of what he does. Should be in your top three, dude. What's wrong with you? Oh, okay. Let me revise that. Um, <laughs> but but I do admire too, like any any horror that is in a unique setting like this, because I, I definitely think this is a horror movie. But I, horror in a sunlight environment yeah, uh, is such a I brave know. way to do it yep. in a colorful, cheerful environment. Ah, oh, genius! Um, Fucking genius! Visual yeah. genius! I couldn't think of another movie as successful at that. Although Hereditary does a little bit of it. And scream. Well, the, the <laughs> problem—it's so weird to hear you say that because to me, Hereditary, in memory, and I could only watch it once. Sadly, uh, I, I'll probably watch it again at some point. But it was a tough watch for me. It seems unremittingly dark to me. Even yeah, her, in, it's shot on a soundstage. I mean, they built their fake oh. house, uh, and that's mainly where it takes place. There are a couple of uh, shot in a parking lot. There's the party, uh, a couple of schoolroom scenes. Uh, but Hereditary is basically on a soundstage okay. whereas this is uh, obviously the the cinematographer 
who uh Pogolzowski? Am I right about that? Well, it's done. It's shot in, I think, Bulgaria, maybe. But the, their cinematographer, I think, is a Polish name who shot Hereditary as well. But obviously, here he was having just—he was just obviously overjoyed with what he had to work with in Midsummer versus Hereditary, because Hereditary is dark and claustrophobic uh, and closed in. Uh, and, this and, is and, expansive. Yeah, exactly. This is expansive and full of color and yeah. light. Yeah. Uh, Choreograph. And, and by the way, another place where they use CG is on Jack Rayner's pupils, like when he's drugged. Because there's right. no way uh, – that's one of the problems with like in a lot of shooting is that the actors are in such bright light that their pupils are little pinpoints. Um, right. Right. So here I'm, I'm almost positive they CG'd these big, giant, dark pupils on his face, which is that's... really – I mean it's really distinctive looking, especially if you know that – one way to check for whether or not someone is drugged is their dilated pupils. Or they're a ghost. Well, exactly, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Scary. What's – can I just ask – I don't know if this was something that that is that was done through every ritual and it's a gender thing, but what the hell was that guy thinking jumping feet first? <laughs> what was he hoping was going to happen? <laughs> what was that guy? Oh, who's God. that redhead too? Have we seen her before? I don't think so. Uh, she looked really familiar, like the exact same kind of role. Like she's been a demon child. It seems like. All right. Oh, maybe we have. Maybe we have. She looked really familiar. Oh, you know what? She was in a. Tell me if I'm crazy. The A Cure for Wellness with Dane DeHaan, the uh, Gore Verbinski movie. Oh, I didn't see that. So maybe. Uh, might be oh, right. you haven't yeah. seen that? Oh. Should I? Um, I'll feel bad, but also you should. Okay. Try to watch it and see. Tell me how far you get into it. Okay. So Who's in it besides Dane DeHaan that I would make me excited about the cast? Girl, um, someone you likes in it. Who's old? All right, I'll just take that. Dane DeHaan, I just I can't, you know, if he's, I can take him if he's with Cara Delevingne. <laughs> well, you'll like what happens to him. Then. Oh, good. Okay. Give it um, what did you guys think of uh, William Jackson Harper? Was uh, the, 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 uh, the the black guy. What was his character? I name? loved him. I I really liked him, and, and Justin says something weird about not knowing who Mark and Josh were the first time he saw it, and just like when they died, I didn't even know who had left. Like, how can you miss these two? I, they're they're, yeah. I thought all of the friends were fairly distinctive. Yeah. But I really liked Josh. I mean, I I liked what that actor was doing. That's William Jackson Harper, the black guy. Yeah. 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 Oh, and Mark is Will Poulter. Um. Yeah. So Kelly Wan, you know where we've seen him before. Uh, you no. don't. Oh, well. So it, I love that guy it, from this movie that I'm going to tell you about that I know Kelly Wand has seen him in. But he, his, I think his main claim to fame is he plays a nebbish, uh, bookish nerd fellow on a TV show called The Good Place. Uh, oh, uh, I haven't seen it. It's so weird seeing him in that, especially after seeing him in that adaptation of the Laird Barron short story. Uh, they remain. Do you remember? Oh, that? I haven't watched that either. Oh what? I know I can't. Oh, find it. is it on? I he's moved. amazing, and they remain. Like, and they remain. He's like a a super competent like outdoorsman. He could be an action hero. Uh, I love that guy. I love him so much, and I want him to get like leading roles in cool action movies. Uh, but unfortunately, I think he's getting typecast as a nebbish in this and in Good Place, which is weird to me. Huh. Okay, I'm dumb. The redhead girl wasn't the same one, but. The redhead girl from K 
Cure for Wellnesses who is in The Survivalist that I got this Oh, right, Mia Goth. With. Yeah. And Mia Goth. Mia Goth, and she's also in, with a, in that horrible science fiction thing uh, with Robert Pattinson called Still Life. That can't be right. Marabone. She's in that. By the way, if you think you're dumb, Kelly Wand, here's how dumb I am. Yeah. The last Puppet Master movie, not written oh. by – it was written by <laughs> – <laughs> no, here. I can't believe this is gonna. This is a callback. But go it, on. It was written by Craig Zoller, the bone tomahawk oh. dragged across concrete guy. He wrote <laughs> a puppet master movie in between those two projects. Well, you know, Cameron did Piranha with the flying Piranha. Uh, yeah. Wait, was well, it good? No, because I watched it, and Tom Lennon was wait, the lead so actor in it, which is why I thought it was Tom Lennon. But no, it's not good. And uh, uh, I thought you thought I thought Tom Lennon was Damien Chazelle. That's so yeah. that's why I thought Tom Lennon wrote it is because he was in it. Imagine Tom Lennon as your lead character, and he's not trying to be funny, which is what he normally does. And now have him uh, have a bunch of like Nazi puppets chase him around with, in a script by Craig Zoller. <laughs> Sounds like yoga hosers. There you go. Yeah. But I thought Craig Zoller was the Chernobyl guy. Um, writer. No, what's his and name? That's Craig, Craig Mazel. Mazel or Mazel? Yeah, yeah. We're fun. It's fun to listen to us do this for long periods of time. Long, just like uh, watching Midsummer, huh? Uh, and Dingus, I don't think you have to say Midsummer. I think just say it like they say it in the movie. That was the girlfriend's name, right? <laughs> I love I that you called her that. that. Uh, you guys haven't seen her and other stuff, I guess either. Um, no, Is she. Wait, her name sounds familiar, right? She's Have I seen her in something. She's done some like Other indie horror? British things. You're gonna know who she is. Uh, is she she's British? in. A, is she what? She's so English. She's very very Super English. British. She's very uh, posh. Her yeah. accent's great in this. Yeah. Oh no, both her and Jack Raynor. Because I, the second time I watched it, I was listening for, for them to screw up the word anything, and right. I don't think they do. They're both great. Because um, they don't say it. Well, first of all, and Justin heard, uh, um, actually uh, confirmed this for me. Uh, Ari Oster pronounces it that way. Midsommar. And Florence, no. uh, and Florence Pugh said that she happily dips between the two pronunciations. So I'm not. She's a replicant. Tom. No. So Ari Oster was on uh, this podcast that Dingus and I uh, hate listen to called Doug Loves Movies, and oh. he he conceded that there's no that he just says Midsummer because they were making fun of him about that. Oh, uh, uh, okay. And, and, and that's and, but more to the point, they say Midsummer in the movie. Nobody right. says it any differently. So uh, she was in a, a miniseries. Uh, with Alexander Skarsgård and Michael Shannon uh, called Little Drummer Girl, which is a John le Carre story. Uh, oh. Okay. Uh, and and she's, she's great, and it's all about her. It's about uh, a, a stage actress who gets recruited for a, a Cold War espionage plot. And it's uh, it's done by uh, Chan-Wook Park, the guy who did, like, Old Boy. and Like the Shining hand- Through. Same he did part. The Handmaiden, which we all loved. Well, I find it fun to tell people when they ask, "Well, what's the podcast movie this week?" to say, "Well, I, I watch. I end up, I'm going to have to watch a movie called Midsommar. and they'd look at me like, "Wait, what? What? What are you saying? What's that word you said?" What? How yeah. can they not get from the context? I don't know. With the vowel. I'm just messing with them. To hear, to Is that what your dad said after you saw it with him? Um, yeah. I love that you saw this with your dad. You totally. That's so. Uh, also, real quick, the reason you guys are going to know who Florence Pugh is is she's in Greta Gerwig's next movie uh, as one oh. of the leads in uh, in the adaptation of Little Women, which is I think out this Christmas. Ugh. Ugh. Why she's you also, 
She was also in a movie called Lady Macbeth, which I have not seen, actually. Right. I haven't either. It's that indie British thing. Yeah. And uh, oddly enough, Jack Rayner was in Macbeth. <laughs> what? What is that? Sorry. Nothing. Sounds interesting. Nothing. He plays Malcolm, in case you were wondering. He'd be a good Malcolm. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be a good Malcolm. Uh, Kelly Wan, do you know what a Shoggoth is? Yeah, Shoggoth. How do you so, say it, weirdo? Shoggoth? Shoggoth. Why are you it's calling it goth? It's not gothic. Yeah, it's me, a goth no, monster. No. Uh, there's a point near the end of Midsummer where, where she's in that big flower costume, and I thought she looked like a flower Shoggoth. Like, she's a big whole just mass of flowers. Walk. It's, it's like a dress thing that's uh, huge, and she's just like a flower Shoggoth, which I thought was awfully cute. There's a moment where she's stumbling in, around in that uh, flower outfit and, and wailing as the thing burns behind her, I think. And the others are running about. And one of the one of the girls runs between her and the camera, and she's the yellow one there. And it looks like she's grab she's trying to wrangle an audio cable. But it's really just like one of the roots that the, that <laughs> the dress is dragging around. But I'm like, you just left in a girl grabbing an audio cable. <laughs> it's one of the grips, yeah. <laughs> we don't have a cow. We have a bull. Uh, before we close out, I want to ask you guys, why don't they show us what happens that Jack Raynor gets dragged into the barn instead of their candidate? Because they say to her, they, you know, they 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 do the little ping pong ball lottery draw. Because uh, yeah. they have four people. They have uh, Connie, Simon, uh, Will Poulter, uh, uh, William Jackson Harper, ha- Harper ja- Jackson Harper. They're the four outsiders. Then the four insiders are two people. I don't know what the two stuffed people are. But then there's uh, Ingmar and uh, some random fourth guy. And then for the ninth person. They do the little lottery ping pong ball spinning machine. They draw a name, and the guy comes forward, and he stands next to Jack Raynor, who's paralyzed in the wheelchair. And they say... It's Raynor. I talked to Rory Oster. Uh, and they say... I don't know. What did I just say? Well, I was making some fun of the Midsommar. But go mm. on. Yeah, sorry. But they say to Florence Pugh, they say to... Uh, uh, they, they tell her, we'll wait as long as you need. Choose which one is going to go into the sacrificial barn. And then we cut to Jack Rayner in the in the bear outfit. Does she pick someone and we just don't see it? Does she not pick and it's rigged? Uh, why doesn't Ariostra show us what happens there? She picks the boyfriend. I think it's now. Why a, do you say that? I mean, I that, that's it's obviously just supposed the, to be a reveal. The implication. Okay. Yeah. She has to. I think it's a, I think it's definitely the implication because of, because of what's going on with her. Um, emotionally throughout that whole sequence. I'm shocked you think it's ambiguous. Well, I'm, I'm curious about where does that decision come from? Uh, Is it because she saw him having ritualistic sex with the redhead? I think it's everything that's happened in the movie. I think that's her moment. I mean, you don't... And, and her coming to terms with it is her smiling. Yeah, that's her going, yeah, this was a great idea. Well, the queen rides alone. Yeah. And it's, it's her fire. Her well, eyes fire. Actually, Justin Hurd says that it's a that marks that it's a Mark mask. It's not him. What? 
Tom, it's a, thoughts? No, I heard you. Well, no, they, they, yeah, they skin him. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, yeah. somebody comes yeah. in wearing his face, <laughs> so yeah, it's not a mark mask. It is his face. Like he goes missing. I, I love right. too right. that they don't, with the exception of, of Simon, where they pull his lungs out through his back. That's horrific. Uh, we don't find out specifically. Uh, you know, we see William Harper, William Jackson Harper's legs sticking up out of a garden. Uh, yeah. We see Connie like waterlogged. Yeah. Like I don't. We don't know what horrific things happen to them. No, it's uh, better. Your no, no. I think it's, it's it's definitely better. Yeah. 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 That garden grew a foot overnight. It was amazing. <laughs> um, um. So uh, so Justin says that the guy wearing the Mark face mask. I, that's literally his face. I do understand that. Yeah, uh, it's was, probably the guy who was mad about him peeing on the tree. Yeah, that's what he says. It's all the guy who got mad at him for pissing on the ancestral tree. Yeah. yeah. And and so uh, what what they do have is is his skin, which I presume is, and then they put it on the dummy and stick the dunce hat on it, and that's what gets burned in the fire. Who knows where his body went? Yeah. Classic Mark. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, so, so the the moment where that guy is screaming is, is just the you didn't the you tree didn't work for him. Man, I don't know, but that's that was horrific too. Is, I mean, it certainly worked for Ingmar. That that fellow didn't seem to mind so much. Or maybe right. it's just once the flames, once you start feeling the physical sensation of the flames, all bets are off. The you tree can't help you there. Yeah. All right. But you can't seemed, move or talk. Jack Rayner didn't seem to mind being burned up. At yeah, he was point. he was pretty chill about it. Yeah. <laughs> At least I'm broken up with her. So Sam, uh, Sam thinks the lead is amazing, and he brings up specifically her two different moments of sobbing at the beginning and the end of the movie, and how moving that was. But he thought everybody was amazing in it, but particularly her. Uh, but Sam also said that, like his email, uh, the movie drags in the middle, which um, um maybe. I don't I don't necessarily agree with I I and. Watching this twice in as many days, oh, I could see returning to it. I just what's your dad I, think on the second viewing? Well, he didn't watch it a second time, no. but he, he stopped by to look at it because I was watching it with headphones on. Um, <laughs> uh, this, this part's good. Huh. Well, he he was really keyed into a couple of the transitions, the transition of the camera pushing through the window while she's keening and um, Christian is holding her and it goes out into the snow and and the snow becomes more of the snow from Sweden and it almost looks like ash. And I was really into that, that bathroom transition from the apartment to the uh, airplane. It took me a minute, actually. I, that's how dumb I am. Tommy, you were talking about how dumb you are. It took me a while to realize that she's in the bathroom crying and that there's a, there's a no smoking sign behind her. And I went, oh, okay, wait. There, she's not in the apartment anymore. Uh, I, I love cuts like that. Kelly, one, it's not a spoiler, but I think it's just an indication of, I, I think, how dense the series is with cool stuff. There is a cut in Watchmen from a waffle iron to a chain link fence that is amazing. Uh, and it's not the cut you think it's going to be when I say those two things. So you'll see. Huh. But that, that bathroom cut is, is, is awesome. I love that. Someone's I love, eating a chain link fence and a you'll see. No, you'll see. Uh, but I love edits like that. Uh, yeah. Especially if the, if the director knows what he's doing. Um, and he clearly does. Well, too, I, it also just gets it. The, I th the way he shoots Hereditary, 
Uh, and it's partly because it was a set and a soundstage. They built that house. But also he was playing on the theme of people being dolls in a dollhouse. Yeah. He yeah. works a lot with cutaways of rooms. And that was put to great use with the bathroom when Christian goes to talk to the, the lead lady in her little office. Um, ah. But Ari Oster just makes great use of of sets and being representing different rooms. And, and so I really – like moving the camera through walls, uh, whether it's a cutaway or a CG effect like outside the window of the plane or the window behind uh, uh, when she was keening. Um but yeah, I, I love I, I love those sorts of edits. Yeah. What about if it's it's a four sided die in Dungeons and Dragons and then it dissolves to one of the pyramids? What movie is that, Kelly? Wand? I gotta see it. I don't know. I'm pitching it to you right now. Oh, sweet! It's a, it's a mummy movie with Tom Cruise. We should make I a love... Dungeons and Dragons movie and see if we can get someone famous like Jeremy Irons in it. I did love that that waiting room scene. I mean, not the way. I mean, I loved his little waiting room, yeah. but I loved his meeting, where he's standing and he's like, "I want to sit in this chair far away from you, but I realize I'm supposed to sit in that chair." Right. <laughs> the body language. Oh, and so good. God and it, it ends, I think, with him going, "I think I ate one of her pubic hairs," and I think her response is, "Sounds about right." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the dialogue in this movie is off the charts, in my opinion. I think it's fucking iconic dialogue. Oh, it is. I, I. That's one of the things I really did love about it is, 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 you know, from the. So we're not gonna nobody. We're not gonna talk about the bear then. It's a bear. Yeah. I mean, I just I love that. A twenty four did an, an amazing uh, sort of gag promotion for this movie where uh, they're selling a little bear in a cage like a figurine oh, and the tagline uh, is it's a bear <laughs> there's all these little merry merry scenes of people being given this gift and the, the tagline is it's a bear <laughs> did you buy one I don't know it's a real I don't think it's a real thing it's just if uh, you just google it's a bear a24 it's just a weird a weird little promotional thing they did for for midsummer they're selling an ant farm for hereditary by the way and I and I love the <laughs> bit of dialogue with 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 Christian and Danny on the phone at the beginning where he's doing that thing where he's saying you know, she does this every week and she does it because you let her. And Danny's response is, well, I, I don't let her. She's bipolar. <laughs> I mean, I I see what both of them are saying. Yeah. And uh, and I really like the fact that Rhiannon comes through and says that. Uh, she kind of empathizes with the guy's plight, um, but that, that whole she does it because you let her get away with it, and it, and and you go into crisis mood uh, mode automatically. And she's like, I don't let her; she's bipolar. Uh, I just found that fast. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I really don't think like it. To, I think the movie does a great job of not villainizing either one of them. Right. Uh, and and I, you know, anybody who looks yeah. at this and says, oh, the boyfriend is, is a terrible boyfriend. I mean, they're both weak. They're both weak yeah. and inaccessible in their own ways. They both have their own baggage. He pulls away. They're I mean, in over their heads. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and also, and I've said this before, this is why I think you guys were dumb for arguing about the Civil War. Uh, we should register the Avengers because it's like nuclear weapons. Like you're going to distort <laughs> the analogies to make the story work for the characters. What? So you'll fuck with – you heard me. I said it. Everything I said is correct. <laughs> like Iron Man's not – I don't see the connection yet. Talk me through this. the city of Chicago. <laughs> I'm saying drugs and relationships, man. 
they're just they're not holding up a mirror to society they're just holding up a mirror to midsummer and gary whatever his name is and you can put that on the poster you're welcome a24 by the way i was thinking all the a24 movies take place in the same universe it's so like the witch and midsummer oh i like this right the a24 branches of a large a24 cult hereditary out. too the paimon folks right yep yep see so they're setting us up for like a Thor, Ragnarok. I like, like it. Gods, different gods from A24. And the lighthouse guys, the mermaid and that. And sea right, gods. exactly. Yeah. See? Kelly I like this. Yeah. So we've done every geography now. We've done a lighthouse cult, Swedish, uh, pilgrims, and um, – What's left to do? The moon. Ants. Apollo 18 is A24, isn't it? Oh, oh good lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> be so embarrassing for them. He made that. That was his... Uh... <laughs> that was his proof of concept for uh, First Man, yeah. First Man, yeah. That's what got Gosling attached, as they call it. Dingus, what, what should we talk about next week? Uh, next week, we should talk about screams in movies. Hmm. Oh! <laughs> uh. that, that's yelling. Uh, and how can listeners participate in this conversation, Dingus? All right. They can send in uh, their picks for we, – we will come up with three each from three different – or well, not necessarily from three different movies, but our three favorite screams from movies. Um, they can come up with up to three. If they only have one, come up with one. Thanks um, for writing in about Midsummer. Yeah, Actually, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I I love that yeah because Midsummer's like I said it for me it was an intellectual exercise there's just so much to talk about with this thing and I'm glad that right. people I want to hear uh, other people's wrote us their thoughts yeah that's what yeah. it's a movie that you can never hear a dumb opinion about probably maybe I might would, be wrong I said a lot it, of dumb things to <laughs> would it I be said. out of line if we posted these emails like uh, what, do you people think people give, would if people give permission then I have no problem with that. They'll write in and tell us that we can or can't. But some of them are super short, but people like Justin usually write a lot. Rhiannon writes a lot. Sam writes a lot. Bruce writes his links to uh, Drudge Report. (laughs) I mean, really, I don't know why we don't copy-paste these into the thread for the podcast. I think we should probably do that. Instead Uh, of just trying to remember and paraphrase it. Well, well, but I like to hear as we're the, I like to hear as we're talking, and Dingus does a great job of of bringing points that's and folding them into the conversation. At all on it. Exactly, I would but love to also long and in depth, and Dingus doesn't have time to parse at all. But Maybe I would also, yeah, I think we could do both. I think we should do both. All right, let's see if anyone sounds like they don't like that. Yeah, you well, know what? My, if you don't want your email posted, uh, let us it's know. It'd be weird and, if you think about it, because you just wrote a podcast, a bunch of thoughts you had about a movie. So it'd be strange, like, hey, no, that's not for public consumption. Right. Like, the podcast is public right, consumption. Right, right, right. So in a way, you've already said You know what? That. We're not going to post your email. We're going to post the transcript of Dingus reading your email. <laughs> and your email address. <laughs> All right, so Dingus, email. let's say that uh, I'm a listener. I've got, yeah, I've got great oh, yeah, streams. Stream. What do I do? You write in to three by three at quarter to three dot com. That's three x three at quarter to three dot com. Please send it in by next Sunday at eleven p.m. That being, uh, what is that? December first, eleven p.m. Ah. Pacific. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, join us for that. I'm Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Molzowski. Yes, Christian Molzowski. And of course, Kelly Wand. All our Kelly Wands are the product of inbreeding. Loneliness is the cause.
close you wear A deep shade of blue Is always there You see Tom Dingus is uncladded by normal cognition It makes him open for the source I prefer that we be more capable and prepared then lucky observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have what eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Oragai Six. Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Dingus, this high my fire. No higher, no hotter. <laughs> Dude, of all the all the things to let me sleep during. <laughs> By the way, it's a Venjars. Uh, <laughs> You're in America. Just jam yourself in there. I think it, one of her pubic hairs. <laughs> Sounds probably right. Classic wand. Woo!